Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk? We listen. My guest today works in the heart of social corporate responsibility and the world of collaboration between industry and governments to meet a common goal. That is to switch to electric transportation and make it the new normal by 2030. We continue our automotive series here today on Heads Talk where we discuss CO2 neutral solutions, electric vehicle transportation, hydrogen production, fuel cell engineering, battery charging infrastructure, as well as the consumer, political and environmentalist reaction to this change. Sandra Rowling heads the transport department of the global organization, the Climate Group. The group works internationally with leading corporations, government states and regions to deliver a world of net zero greenhouse gas emissions. The transport department runs the current global initiative EV100 and Sandra will elaborate in greater detail on the work that is being done in this space. Previously, she held various positions within the climate group, engaging businesses as well as state and regional governments to take action. Sandra has spent eight years in Brussels, where she led the public affairs team of a German political communications agency and in parallel set up their European Union office. She holds a number of degrees to include an MSc in sustainable development from the University of Exeter. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Sandra to Heads Talk. Delighted to have you here today. Thank you very much, Elaine. Very happy to be here as well. Thank you again. Um, okay, let's start. Um, I briefly mentioned the climate group in the introduction. Please elaborate on this. Um, some of my listeners will not be aware of this organization. So let's start from this premise. How was it formed? When? What is it all about? And what is it doing today? Right, so the climate group is an international NGO. Um, that was founded in London. Our headquarters are in London, but we also have offices uh, in New York and Delhi, um, and also some colleagues um, in Latin America, and uh, most recently an office in Amsterdam. Um, we work to address climate change. We've been around for a good, I think it's 17 years at this stage. Mm -hmm. um, and it's always been about accelerating climate action and especially about demonstrating that, you know, climate and business can really go hand in hand. So um, at this stage, we're very conscious that, um, you know, we talk about the current decade as the climate decade. We know we mm -hmm. need to have emissions within, well, by 2030, and that's a huge feat. Um, but we also have a really strong network of international companies and of international governments, uh, which are the primary stakeholders that we work with. And it's all about demonstrating leadership um, that they're showing day to day, inspiring others, um, looking at how we can scale up, how we can accelerate the speed and how we can make things work better and faster by connecting all the right stakeholders. And that's across areas such as renewables, the built environment, uh, heavy industry and transport, of course, as well, which is my remit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Thanks for that. Um, let me just add that this week is a special week for the climate group, isn't it? You have an event this week in New York, climateweeknewyorkcity.org, started yesterday um, with the catchphrase, I'm getting it done. Can you briefly tell us about this event? 
Yes, absolutely. So Climate Week is our annual flagship event that brings together all those networks I've just talked about. Mm -hmm. um, it's always held to align with the UN General Assembly. So lots of um, international governments, are of course, in town at that moment. Um, and then we bring the business community in as well. We bring our network of state governments as well, or the, our other friends. Yesterday um, is Monday's traditionally the day where we have the, the opening ceremony, where we bring together some of those really senior stakeholders to talk about where we are in the climate world, what mm -hmm. needs to happen next. And I think getting things done is really looking ahead at the climate negotiations that are coming up a bit um, later in this year mm -hmm. and that we might be talking about a little bit later in the podcast maybe as well um, but to really emphasize that you know it's great that we have targets that we talk about the long-term prospects but we really want to recognize um, the urgency of getting getting ahead mm -hmm. on climate action but also to celebrate what is already being done every day by those ambitious leaders and businesses and the governments and and that's obviously all what what our work is about mm -hmm. celebrating that accelerating that um and inspiring even more leaders to come along mm -hmm. well thanks for that it's, it's all, yeah it's, it's good to know what needs to be done but it's always nice to know and celebrate some of the achievement that's been done to date um also mentioned at the start was the ev100 initiative um what is that? Where are you today with this? And interestingly, who are some of the members? Right. So EV100 is a corporate leadership initiative that we actually also launched at a climate week in 2017. Mm -hmm. um, and it's about recognizing the role that companies can play in driving the transition to electric vehicles. I think we're now at the stage where, you know, everyone knows that electromobility is the future, the transition mm -hmm is going to happen is already underway but of course at the beginning of any of those transitions is the question of who are the first movers how do you get you know the first buyers of the electric vehicles how do you get the market to scale how do you then help drive the prices down as more and more people look into electric vehicles who are the stakeholders that have the powers to really get the ball rolling um, and we believe that companies have a huge role to play in that because they're large buyers of fleets big chunk of all yes. the vehicles yeah. on the road are registered to companies. Um, so obviously, whatever they decide to do with their fleets has a, has a big, important impact on the market. And mm -hmm. then also companies have staff and the employees that will be using those vehicles. They have customers that will seeing those vehicles in on the roads. So mm -hmm. there's also that secondary effect of just putting electric vehicles into everyday life and letting people see them, letting people realize that they are actually perfectly viable in the day-to-day -day already and so in inspire more and more also private stakeholders to join mm -hmm. um, so that was the founding idea of ev100 and basically what we did is we invited companies to make a public commitment to go electric in their own operations by 2030 mm -hmm. um, that's what all the companies have committed to to join us and that's looking at their fleets um, there's a bit of a differentiation between vehicles up to 3.5 tons so that's like two wheelers cars everything up to sort of a small medium sized van mm -hmm. um, and that's the vehicles that we really want to see transition to 100% to electric vehicles and then the second category is vehicles up to 7.5 tons so that gets you into larger vans smaller trucks mm -hmm. okay that's good and um you know some of the companies that you've mentioned i will I will be talking to some of the C-suites in that space, and I think even, in fact, I've already spoken to a couple that's actually mentioned the EV100 in the podcast itself, um, yet to be released, but so it's quite nice to see how you're all connected um, in some ways to, to, to a sort of a common end goal. Um, 
I said, well, give my listeners your vision of a clear road transport utopia that your organization would really like to achieve. So the, the I mean, the initiative is all about electrifying transport. I think, you know, if we look at the role that transport is playing in terms of the emissions is absolutely crucial. And mm -hmm. with electric vehicles, we have the option to decarbonize and to just take out those emissions if they're eventually then also powered by uh, renewable or zero emission electricity, of course. Um, so that's, we believe technology-wise, that's where we need to head. Um, of course, that is all embedded in a broader vision, if you will. We need to think about, you know, what's really the best way for everyone to get around, which would also include walking, cycling, public transport, share transport. Mm -hmm. But whenever there's motorized vehicles, I believe they need to be electric in the future. And we think that that now is the time to really make that move and, you know, wholeheartedly commit to making that transition. Okay, that's good. You know, today, in 2021, the mood noise in the um, auto sector is firmly pro a radical change to EV solutions like never before. You said everyone knows it's under the way. Um, it has been defined as a revolution in motoring rather than an evolution. Do you agree? Why? And what has changed now that perhaps only a few years ago was not present? So I think a revolution is right, you know, without going too much into the semantics of what's a revolution and an evolution. But I think certainly in terms of the speed um, of the change, um, I certainly talk about a revolution. I think this is sort of the classic S-curve that, you mm -hmm. know, where the start is a bit slower, but we're now getting to the point where there's lots of products on the market. The technology is at the stage where, you know, range anxiety really doesn't have to be an issue anymore. Mm -hmm. so the capacities mm -hmm. of the vehicles are there. Um, there's all the different um, requirements can be met that companies might have in terms of the types of vehicles that they need. So I think that's one of the biggest um, changes from the technology point of view over the last few years um, that mm -hmm. we're just at the stage where really across the board, you have the solutions available. And at the same time, of course, you have the political commitment as well. You have lots of governments realizing that electromobility is great for climate, is great for air pollution as well. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, you get... The British government, for example, last year moved its target for um, stopping the sale of internal combustion engine vehicle even forward from 2040 to 2030. And I think those types of commitments, of course, are what, what showed the direction, what give all stakeholders a joint vision to work towards as well. And then obviously that accelerates the whole process because ultimately it's, it's a system transition. All the different stakeholders need to come together and mm -hmm. to move together. So it's vehicles, charging, yeah. policy regulation everything together you said earlier everyone knows it's um underway is there still a form of resistance to the move to evs from some faction groups for example or from a sector stakeholders a, a representative body in the supply chain what could potentially slow the progress down so I think, I mean, you know, any transition is difficult. And I think sometimes, you know, there's those that lose out a little bit as well. If you're in, in the business of producing parts of mm -hmm. an internal combustion engine vehicle, maybe not all of those will, will be needed in the future. So of course, that there are concerns around that. Um, but I think that's, that's why it's important to have this dialogue and have a sort of long-term vision with interim steps. So you can also think about the transition process. Mm -hmm. So I think, especially in the UK, I think um, a lot of, you know, the supply chain that goes into building a vehicle 
is of the type that you either is still needed for an electric vehicle or could be retrained or transitioned to then be used in in the electric space as well but of course you you need to plan for that you need to retrain people you need to think about things a little bit differently mm-hmm. um then there's bits that that are just new i think thinking about charging infrastructure thinking about how the electricity grid needs to mm. be built out um, those are of course challenges um, that are a bit different um, if you look at it from the perspective of corporate fleets you know a fleet manner so far had to do with um, purchasing vehicles and maybe getting people fuel cards now they have to think about charging they have to deal with um, you know electricity grids and new things that they're not necessarily used to so I think at the individual level there's obviously also a little bit of of learning Mm-hmm. Um, but there are lots of experiences out there and lots of service providers who can help with that as well. So I think that's that's the other bit where over the last few years, a lot of knowledge has already been built mm-hmm. that companies can tap into if they're willing to go down that road. Okay, thanks for that. Um, this next question is a common one asked on his talk due to the current period where we are living in. How has COVID and the digital revolution aided or hindered progress in your work? So there's really two things I want to say on that. I think one, obviously, you know, COVID has changed daily life a lot. And if you think about transports, um, it'll be interesting to see which of those trends might stay, you know, be it deliveries, of course, having increased quite a lot, Mm -hmm. um, be it people working from home, maybe rethinking how often they need to go to the office, how much they need to travel internationally for events, Mm -hmm. you know, climate week that we just talked about um, is digital this year for the second time. And in some ways, that's very sad because people don't get to meet each other face to face, and that's that's important as well. But on the other hand, it is also much easier to get people involved from all around the world, for example, that wouldn't necessarily have been able to come to New York. So I think that would be a very interesting piece. Mm-hmm. Um, the bits that, of course, we were a bit concerned about last year was to see how much um, you know COVID would provide a distraction and maybe just cause companies to say, well, right now we don't have time to engage on electric vehicles any further. You know, we need to postpone these sort of sustainability efforts for a while. And that hasn't actually happened. And that's been really encouraging because I think it demonstrates that climate concerns and electromobility are really at at the heart of company strategies these days. Mm -hmm. Um, We have an annual reporting process where we ask our members year on year how, how much progress they have made. Um, And we've been really, really happy last year to see that even despite the COVID crisis, not only have we gotten new companies in to make the commitments, and in total it's now about 5 million vehicles that are covered by the commitments collectively, but also companies have continued to actually put the vehicles on the road already. Um, So last year, the reporting covered 86 companies and it was almost 170,000 vehicles they already had on the road. So I think obviously ultimately commitments are great, but it's the action that you see on the ground. And I think that was really a great testament to the fact that electric vehicles are viable today and companies are committed to them almost no matter what the circumstances in the wider world, which is obviously great to know. Hmm. You know, your organization, I've mentioned it at the beginning and you've mentioned it in some of your answers, is working heavily with states and the private sector. Um, so much so, you must see up front and firsthand some of the challenges on both sides, um, especially some of the actions that need to be taken and or expedited um, to move you closer to your goals. Let's concentrate on governments uh, and states with this question. What policy do you think needs to be changed to further enable the shift to green mobility solutions 
And, and does this differ across different governments or regions? So, I mean, of course, you know, in, in some ways that there's a suit of policy measures and I think every government will have to think about which are the most suitable for their particular circumstances. But I think we think about them in sort of three buckets. I think one bit is about increasing the supply of vehicles. Um, mm -hmm. I've talked earlier about how, especially in the personal vehicle market, there's already a lot on offer, um, but in some of the spaces where it comes to, to vans and trucks, et cetera, there are still, still gaps, especially when companies need vehicles with, specific, with certain specifications. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think a very clear signal to the manufacturers is absolutely important and where why we have, for example, really celebrated the new 2030 ice phase out target in the UK, because I think, that does focus the intention that encourages providers to put more electric vehicle models on the road. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest concerns um, of the companies that we're talking to, that they want to be sure that if they are committed to electric vehicles, they're also able to buy them um, of the type they need and in, in the numbers um, that they need as well. Mm -hmm. um, then there's supporting the vehicle demand. So that's about um, balancing the total cost of ownership calculations. Mm -hmm. um, again, prices are coming down and within the next one, two years, um, there's the expectation that, you know, for the first segments of certainly the personal vehicle market, that will already balance out based on the upfront cost. Um, but, you know, especially in the early stages, depending on what the market looks like in a given country or in a state, of course, um, things like purchase incentives are really important. Um, tax benefits can be really favorable, um, you know, company car tax, for example, reducing that um, is a really important measure because it helps companies and their staff more easily make choice for electric vehicles. Um, mm -hmm. And then the third bucket is the charging infrastructure. Um, so making sure that charging is easily available everywhere, that's fast charges for the long distance routes, mm -hmm. that's um, you know making it easy for people to put charging in front of their houses, but it's also off-street parking for those that might not have their own front yard, that might be living in apartments, etc. And that's what's one of the areas, for example, that lots of companies are talking to us about. What if my driver wants to take their vehicle home, but mm -hmm. they live in an apartment block in central London, how, they, how are they going to get... Yeah. Um, yeah. charging access for that um, just as a side question we, we, we talk a lot and it, we predominantly concentrate on the the electric vehicle side of things do you, does your organization work with um companies that provide hydrogen solutions um usually for the larger trucks um, do, do you work heavily with them at all um, so, I mean, most of the work that we're doing is with the demand side, so it's more the users of the fleets, and then, of course, the, the providers of the vehicles or the technologies are, are our partners mm -hmm. in helping them achieve their targets. Um, we do, in a way, we count hydrogen fuel cells as an electric solution, so when I talk about EV100, those vehicles could be hydrogen vehicles as well. Mm -hmm. um, as you said, I think mainly that will probably be a solution for the larger trucks. So yep. in terms of the, the vehicle ranges that we're currently looking at, um, I think there's one or two hydrogen fuel cell vehicles that mm -hmm. companies have already used, mm -hmm. um, but we are actually working on expanding the commitment into the larger vehicle categories as well. And then I imagine hydrogen might play a larger role um, if it's green hydrogen, of course, I think yeah. that's that's the important bit from the climate perspective. Okay, okay. Um, another favorite question on Headstalk is uh, about partnerships, collaborations and coalitions, especially in a time of uh, uncertainty. 
this approach is ripe now during these times, especially in the industry sectors that many of my guests are, are within. Um, your organization is no exception to this. In fact, you have set up the UK Electric Fleet Coalition with the aim to do what? The UK Electric Fleet Coalition is particularly bringing together uh, British base fleets, um, including five of the largest fleets in the UK, um, but in total 32 companies right now. And it was formed with the aim of influencing the policy debate. So we formed it last year um, when the debate was just starting about whether it was a good idea for the UK to move to the 2030 target date. Mm -hmm. um, and those companies wanted to be very clear and say, we believe that 2030 is right for the UK, it's right for our industry, it's right for us as companies as well who have made these commitments um, to strong climate targets and to want to use electric vehicles as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were very excited that we were able to, to play a role in moving that conversation forward in a positive way. And of course, now then the challenge is now that you've set this target, you know, what are the measures that need to come underneath to actually make it a reality? And that's what we focused on this year. Um, we've put out a, a second policy paper to highlight some of those things that are required from a company point of view, from policy to make it possible to reach those targets that the companies have set themselves, but also to move the UK as a whole um, towards achieving that target. Right. Okay. So, 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 so something that's set up above and beyond what EV100 is doing, right? Yeah, so EV100 is about the, the commitments that companies are making themselves. It's about connecting companies internationally so they can compare notes and learn from each other, etc. And then part of the idea of EV100 is once you have made your individual commitment as a company, then of course those businesses also have a voice in the public conversations mm -hmm. uh, with policymakers and with manufacturers, etc. And the UK Electric Fleet Coalition is one of the examples of how we started to work with companies to be this political voice as well. We have sort of similar types of conversations in other countries, of course, that we're looking at as well, where there's interesting developments around um, electromobility and the, the policy measures that will get us um, to move the transition forward. Okay, thanks for clarifying that for me. It was something that I wanted to know, you know, how that differ. Okay, I, I want to briefly talk about um, this next event. In fact, everyone is talking about this event. It's the United Nations Climate Change Conference, also known as the COP26 event. This year it will be in Glasgow between the 31st of October and the 12th of November, I think. Um, will you be going and what do you want to see achieved at this event and if relevant, by whom? Um, so first of all, yes, I will be going or our team will be going. Um, we're very excited that that is happening after it was, uh, had to be postponed last year. Um, there's really two things. So on the one hand, of course, the international climate negotiations is where governments from around the world are coming together to discuss their climate targets. Mm -hmm. And at that level, what we need to see, of course, is increased ambition for all, from all the national governments individually, which then collectively adds up to emission reductions targets that are aligned with a net zero world by 2050 or keeping global warming under 1.5 degrees. So that's that's the ultimate goal. We had, um, you know, in 2015 was the last time that sort of joint targets were set and the whole work was set that all governments would go back and review what they had done in the meantime, whether they were able to ramp up their targets even further by this upcoming climate negotiation. So this is all about bridging the gap between what governments have 
committed to do so far and what we know we need to do to actually keep climate change at a manageable level. Um, when it comes to electromobility specifically, um, we are going to have a big leadership event there to highlight the role of electric vehicles in the transition, the fact that um, lots of emissions are in transport and can be reduced from electro with electromobility. Um, I think the important thing there to highlight is that in some ways, you know, COP is the big moment where the national governments come together um, and discuss at the global scale what targets need to be set. It's not necessarily within those negotiations that they're going to talk in lots of detail about electric vehicles. That is for the national governments to, hmm. to integrate into their policies uh, back at home. Um, but it is very important for us to highlight how important this agenda is. Um, and there is the British government who holds the presidency uh, for this upcoming COP. They have brought a group together called the ZEF Transition Council, which is uniting some of those governments who have the largest automotive markets in the world. So they're having actually one of the conversations this week, um, have had a series of conversations to think about how they can raise their ambitions on electromobility. So obviously it'd be great to hear about more ambition and commitments from national governments. And also what we are doing is coordinating what's called the so-called non-state actor space. So all the entities, businesses, cities, states, investors, all the entities that aren't national governments, but that of course have a huge role to play in solving the climate crisis. And this is obviously what the climate group is focused on. And um, in the run-up to COP, we've actually created a campaign called Route Zero that brings together or the ambition from these different other stakeholders to show how much is already happening and in a way to give national governments more confidence to increase their ambition on um, electric vehicles as well. Mm -hmm. I, I've noticed, I mean, anyone could do a search online, that's been a, quite a few um, of these sort of events this year alone, um, sort of climate change related conference, um, sort of a miniature sort of COP26 event that's been happening. What do you think has been achieved with uh, the previous events this year that you believe has kind of nudged you closer to your targets? Yes, I think that's the, you know, it, it's sort of a roadmap on the way to COP. I think the, the COP itself is, is the big milestone event where it all comes together. But of course, mm -hmm. a lot of the work that need, needs to happen beforehand, national governments need to think about their strategies and they need to consider whether they're able to ramp up their ambition. As I've said before, sort of, you know, businesses, um, join things like EP100, for example, make their own contribution towards moving the market forward. Um, mm -hmm. Investors can think about how they're talking to the companies um, that they're putting their money into about their, their long-term trajectories and whether they're ready for the future. Um, so, you know, all these different events are really about putting the focus on that and making sure that all stakeholders are continuously thinking about electromobility and the potential of it as they're thinking about their strategies. And of course, a lot of it is about also um, inspiring each other. And I think that's why this, this Route Zero campaign that we brought together with the, with the high level champions and with lots of other partners like the World Economic Forum, like C40, like Scale Start. So it's also about bringing all these communities together because you have all these great examples of leadership that sometimes you read in the news, maybe sometimes you miss it, but once you bring it all together, you can really see how much we're already moving up the S-curve and how much, therefore, we can expect the agenda to move further and how much it's, it's therefore maybe the right time for everyone to, to be even more confident and even more ambitious in getting on board and setting their own targets as well.
Mm. So together we're better sort of thing. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. L let's end this episode of Head Talk with, with you perhaps telling my listeners how they can get involved if possible. What would you like from them? So absolutely, please do get involved. I think the easiest way is maybe if you look at the Route Zero page, um, Route Zero One Word, if you Google that, you will get to the campaign and the run-up to COP. You will also then have a list of actions that different stakeholders can take. Mm -hmm. So if you are a business, if you have a corporate fleet, please consider moving to electric vehicles. Please consider joining EV100. If you are government, please consider raising your ambition, setting new targets for electromobility. If you are an investor, please think about the role that you can play in the conversations that you're having, um, you know, having the conversations about the future of the market and what this means for, for a given entity. If you're part of the general public, there's also a commitment called Count Us In, where individuals can pledge that their next vehicle is going to be electric. So it's really all the different ranges and what we're looking to do is bring it all together. So that page might be a good starting point for signposting. And of course, um, anyone is, is very much invited to get in touch with the Climate Group and with myself as well, if they would like to hear more about it. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, but please could you get your team to send me the link to Route Zero so I can share it in your episode description so that people can click on it immediately rather than sort of try and scramble and find it for themselves. Um, Absolutely. Um, as I said to a previous guest, we've got a lot of work to do here, haven't we? Um, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> but the good thing is we already know what the work is you know that's that's one of the the big benefits I think on this topic of electromobility we know the solution is there we know what we need to do and we can do it right now and I think that's the bit that mm -hmm. I find personally really gratifying and inspiring on the day-to-day -day. There's, there's a consensus that everybody is looking in that direction the same direction in trying to resolve it rather than perhaps a few years ago where there was sort of a, an element of denial and a lot, very little work that was being done at crucial time. Um, Sandra Rowling, many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you very much, Elaine. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk Podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.